Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the Wayfair Podcast. I'm Tom Vanderwell. Thank you so much for joining me again today on our chapter day journey. We are in the book of Amos, the prophet Amos, the second chapter, and it was verses six through eight that resonated with me this morning. Amos writes, for the three sins of Israel, even for four, I will not relent. They sell the innocent for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They trample on the heads of the poor as on the dust of the ground and deny justice to the oppressed. Father and son use the same girl and so profane my holy name. They lie down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge. In the house of their God, they drink wine taken as fines. Today's podcast is entitled The Sting. Wendy and I were watching Jeopardy the other day and one of the questions referenced classic movie of the 1970s, The Sting, with Robert Redford and Paul Newman. The movie tells the tale of two small-time street hustlers and con men who run a sting operation, the big con, against a big-time gambler and Irish mob boss played by Robert Shaw. The movie won seven Oscars, including Best Picture. It's a great film if you haven't seen it. I thought about the sting this morning as I meditated on the first two chapters of Amos. As I mentioned in yesterday's podcast, Amos was not from nobility. He didn't have high social status. He was a working class prophet from Judah, whom God called to prophesy against the northern kingdom of Israel. So Amos, being from Judah, you know, marching into Israel with God's message, would be kind of like be as well received as a cyclone sweatshirt in Kinnick Stadium. What Amos does in these opening chapters is as shrewd as a street hustler working a literary sting. Amos begins with a series of prophecies against neighboring kingdoms. Now, under King David and Solomon, these territories were part of the United Kingdom of Israel. But when Solomon died, the nation divided, these neighbors went back to self-rule. Nevertheless, they are neighboring states and probably had all of the rivalries and the border jokes that exist between neighboring states today. As Amos prophecies crisscross geography of these neighboring states, he's inviting his audience in Israel to agree with him. Yeah, Amos, you tell him. Give those no-good cheaters and tire an earful. His audience in Israel would have especially loved it when Amos prophesies against his own team in Judah. At that point, he's got them sucked in. The people of Israel are loving the street preacher from down south. He's got them hooked. Then he pulls the sting. See, his audience in Israel can't gloat over the prophetic doom Amos has proclaimed for all these rival teams in the region and then suddenly excuse themselves. They are just as guilty. They do the same things. Amos' opening message to the people of Israel paint a picture of affluent Israelites using their wealth, their power, their prestige to oppress the poor, ignore God's law, act immorally, and corrupt God's people. See, God's law was designed to care for those who had little. For example, if you loaned money to a poor person and took their cloak as collateral, by law you were supposed to return it by sunset. You don't leave a poor person without a blanket on a cold night. Well, the rich people of Israel were ignoring this. God's law is also strict uh, in the codes of conduct for how you treat those under your care. 
fathers and sons were using their power to sexually abuse the same female bondservants in their own households. Not a good thing. Faithful followers of God in that day sometimes took what's called a Nazarite vow. The vow was to not drink wine or cut the hair for a period of time. The people of Israel were mocking this, urging those who had taken the vow to break it or telling prophets to keep their mouths shut. So as I meditated on this in the quiet this morning, I couldn't help but hear Jesus' words echo in my soul when Jesus said, quote, truly, I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven, end quote. Along my life journey, I've experienced both what it's like to have much and what it's like to have little. When I have much, it is easy to get used to the status and perks that go along with it. It's easy to begin thinking, I deserve them. It's easy to expect that I will and should always have them. It's easy to forget what it's like to have little. And it's easy to begin overlooking those who have little. It's easy for me to think that I'm different in my affluence than everybody else. Then comes along this street hustler of a working man's prophet named Amos. Amos reminds Israel and reminds me that I'm no different than any other person from any other people group from any other place. God calls me to take an honest look at my own heart, motives, thoughts, words, and actions. How has affluence subtly corrupted me and turned me into a person that I don't want to be? There's a great line in The Sting when Henry Gondorf asked Johnny Hooker if he's going to stick around to collect his money, his share of the take. Johnny says, nah, I'd only blow it. And that's the thing. With all that I'm blessed to have, how do I not blow it? I'm going to leave it there, my friend. I hope you have a great day wherever this finds you. We'll be back here tomorrow. I hope you're joining me.